It is the Thursday morning show. It's member-supported KAXE. It's time to talk government and politics. Yesterday, we featured Senator John Marty, and we heard about how he's authored legislation to combat catalytic converter theft. You can hear that conversation at KEXE.org. Up next, we talk hospital nurse staffing shortages and how the declining number of nursing homes and at-home care providers that has left hospitals with no place to transfer people. Senator Erin Murphy is a DFLer that has served in the House and now in the Senate. She also happens to be a nurse herself. Senator Murphy, thanks so much for being with us today. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thanks Good. for being with us. So we've been mentioning that we were going to talk to you, and we got a text from Kathleen in the Brainerd area. She said, Good morning. Decades ago, Aaron Murphy and I worked together in the operating room at the University of Minnesota Hospital. I remember working the night shift with her. Two lasses with Irish ancestors <laughs> makes tough and resilient. So she says to say hi to you this morning. I have a giant smile on my face right now. <laughs> I am a, I am a person, I'm an Irish person with red hair. She is an Irish person with black hair. Stunning. <laughs> and uh, yes, you know, the, the practice of nursing bonds you together in ways because you confront, you do confront situations that test you. You see people at their, at their very worst and at their very best and you go through that with other nurses and you are connected for life and I'm so happy to get that message from Kathleen. Good morning back to you. Good morning. <laughs> well, let's let's stay with this topic um, of nursing and, and let's talk about keeping nurses at the bedside act. It addresses a lot of issues and I've read that you've said that this system is breaking. Is that to you? Is that due to COVID? Is that something that was always happening and is just now much more prominent? I think there are a number of drivers uh, that have delivered us to this point. Uh, one, uh, I do think COVID has played an outsized role in in the departure of of healthcare providers, and not just registered nurses, but healthcare providers who were pushed to the brink uh, during a global pandemic. Uh, and that is that you know that's not limited to healthcare. That is that is the case for. Uh, people in a variety of professions, but especially for people who worked on the front lines in the early part of of COVID. And I, I always want to make sure and thank everybody, all the frontline workers, everybody essential, everybody in Minnesota, for what we did together to keep each other healthy and safe and keep our economy moving uh, during a, a, a really challenging period of time for us. But there are other things underneath this as well. Uh, we have known for decades that there was an impending shortage of nurses because of a generation of nurses who were going to leave the workforce with the baby boom generation retirement, and we're at that point. Uh, and we have seen, I think, a continued shift in in the ways in which uh, hospitals uh, participate in our healthcare system, and they have become competitors with one another. They're very motivated, I think, by. Uh, by their bottom line, which is is always an issue, but it has also impacted the practice of nursing and the number of nurses. And nurses have been sounding that alarm uh, for many, many years. They have been coming to the legislature and going to their hospitals and talking about the concerns that they have about staffing and safe staffing. And the legislation before us now is a culmination of many years of work 
many, many compromises and new ideas on the part of nurses across the state. And they are uh, responding now to this uh, moment where we are really seeing the impact of the shortage of nurses and nurses leaving the bedside, uh, impacting the ability of the registered nurses in our hospitals to provide the standard of care that Minnesotans have come to expect. So being in the industry and and seeing this yourself for years and knowing of the uh, pending retirement exodus uh, that in, in a lot of professions was kn- a known entity and uh, could have really been planned for, is, has it been frustrating for you um, seeing this and seeing that there years ago, decades ago, could have been plans to sort of help uh, band-aid this or not band-aid this, but help mend it? Yeah, you know, I will, um, I want to take us back to a hearing a number of years ago that was held in the House. And when I, I served in the House for a number of years, uh, and we were talking about safe staffing uh, in the Health and Human Services Committee. And the nurses had come to that committee with uh, a document that they used uh, within the profession, within the union, called their Concern for Safe Staffing. Uh, and it was an internal document, but they had hundreds and hundreds of them that they brought to the committee as a demonstration to the committee that there is a real problem here that you don't necessarily see because it's not going to show up in data that is publicly available. And there were so many skeptics in that committee who who couldn't, they just couldn't quite buy the argument for the nurses that things were... Uh, not not as safe as they should be. And I remember the skeptical questions coming to the nurses and the nurses sitting at the witness table with this stack of documents. And I asked the committee at the end of the hearing, what if the nurses are telling us the truth? They were. Um, and it's one of those moments that makes you, you know, reflect on, what, like, why haven't we done what we need to do to answer this question? And I, I do want to say it's an important moment to say that whether we're, you know, getting our care in a nursing home or in a group home or in a hospital or in your home um, with home care workers, we are seeing across the board um, a real depletion of health care providers. And we're seeing action on a, a number of fronts. So I think you're going to see significant funding proposals to make sure that there's funding adequate to hire and retain workers. I think you're going to see new efforts um, to, with um, uh, safety language, protect healthcare workers, and in some cases protect their right to collectively bargain to make sure that they have the tools within their facilities uh, to be able to do the job. And then this proposal, which we have seen for a number of years, which last year, carried by Liz Olson from Duluth, uh, made it all the way through the House of Representatives and got a full floor vote, first time ever. I think is going to get strong attention both in the House and the Senate this year, um, and I'm hopeful about that. We're talking with Senator Erin Murphy. She's a DFLer. We're learning more about a bill called Keeping Nurses at the Bedside Act. I wonder if we can talk about some of the elements of this bill. Um, You've mentioned a few things already, recruit and retain, but part of it has to do with committees at Minnesota hospitals and staffing levels. Tell us about that a little bit. That is the heart of the bill. It really is. Um, and the nurses have been saying for a long time that they would they want a little more say 
in how their units are staffed and that if there aren't adequate staff to care for the number of patients, that they should be able to raise a flag about that. Um, This is a proactive approach. So rather than uh, engaging in the moment when you find yourself at that place where you don't have enough nurses to care for patients, this is saying in a systemic way, every hospital should have a staffing committee that includes both nurses and managers, uh, the people who have uh, the decision-making around uh, staffing of a hospital, and that there should be a committee that's also looking at workload so we can decide and nurses can bring their professional judgment to what is the right mix of patients and skilled nurses and the acuity of the patients and the experience of the nurses. Every hospital should have a core staffing plan, and they should stick to their core staffing plan. And those core staffing plans should be judged and made publicly available with a grade that the public can see so they know what they're experiencing as well. So years ago, when this proposal first came to the legislature, it was a much simpler bill saying you have to have this many nurses for this many patients. And every nurse that works in a unit, whether it's Kathleen and I when we worked in the operating room together, we have so many patients that we're responsible for. That's our ratio, right? There are this many patients and this many nurses. And early iterations of this legislation wanted to define that, that ratio. This legislation doesn't do that. It instead asks every hospital to put together committees of nurses and the people who manage that hospital to come up with a plan, to stick to the plan, um, to make the results of that plan public and to put remedies in place if, if we don't stick to that plan. Because the nurses are saying, if you don't have enough nurses to care for patients, we're not going to be able to do the job we're expected to do and patient care will be impacted. So let's make a commitment together to make sure that there are enough nurses in our hospitals to care for the patients so Minnesotans are getting the care that they have come to expect, a high quality of care in our hospitals. So given the the details of that where the hospitals could, you know, monitor themselves and it's sort of like a personalized care system within the within the system, like each hospital is able to do its own health check on its staffing. Is there buy-in from the hospitals on this? Are they are they open to establishing these committees? So thus far they have um, remained uh, opposed to this idea. Um, just uh, a wholesale opposition when we introduced the bill and we uh, we did some press around it. Uh, they, they issued a statement saying that they're opposed to it, which is unfortunate because I think that, that, you know, every hospital, when you think about going to a hospital, if your loved one is in a hospital, you know you're going to be cared for by professional registered nurses. This legislation is in the interest of our hospitals. Um, They can't function without professional registered nurses. And I hope uh, that given all the changes the nurses have made in this proposal from its inception, that the hospitals will finally come to the table and work with us uh, to make this real, um, to make real uh, our commitment together to high-quality care in our hospitals. You know, there are a couple other elements of the proposal that I think are important. Of course, there is an interest in making sure we have enough faculty to prepare nurses because we know we have a a number of exiting nurses because of retirement. We want to make sure that there are, you know, funds available uh, for nurses to come into school 
Um, and we address workplace, work, workplace safety. And especially, I think, during the pandemic, there's been an uptick in, in uh, you know, injuries to nurses that are the result of uh, violence inside our, inside our facilities, whether it is coming from patients or their family members. I think COVID in so many ways has pushed us to the brink and it's shown up in our hospitals. And so the lack of adequate staffing has, has made that uh, a more difficult problem and we want to address that as well. But at its core, this is about putting nurses together with the people who manage a hospital to say, we're going to commit together to make sure that there are enough nurses here and we're going to do it in a public way. And I I think that's really important for Minnesotans, and I think it's important uh, for care delivery and for the professional judgment of registered nurses. A part of the bill has to do with mental health as well. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Uh, Again, I I often think about my experience practicing nursing, and I worked in a big rural hospital uh, in Wisconsin when I first practiced, and then I worked at the University of Minnesota Hospital. I was a surgical nurse in the OR. And, you know, you do uh, experience things that test you, especially when you're a new nurse. Um, my daughter is now a registered nurse early in her practice. And some of the stories she has shared with me, you know, they are, they, they, they really test your mettle. And, uh, and I do think that uh, we have seen an, uh, an increased need for, professional registered nurses and other healthcare providers uh, to be able to get uh, the help they need to deal with the trauma that they've experienced in their work. Um, and we did take some action on this uh, last session. I, I working with uh, Senator Michelle Benson, um, she made some progress on this proposal. Uh, but I think it is important that we think about our healthcare providers, not just nurses, but all of us. Um, and to make sure that we are putting tools in place so that we can properly deal with the experiences that we have so we're able to stay resilient in our work. We just had a question that kind of um, you've just addressed there. We heard from Kayla. She said, is this proposal focused on hospitals only? Primary care is really suffering because of the shortage, need LPNs and MAs for preventative health care, she says. Uh, This is a proposal that is primarily focused on hospitals, but it is not the only proposal that is uh, focusing on health care. And I I think when you take a, you know, a broad view and look at where we're at in Minnesota and probably across the country, but I'm Minnesota focused uh, on our health care system in the wake of the pandemic, uh, I do think that we have, we have, a challenge before us. We have depleted so much of the system. Uh, and when we watch how our systems are consolidating, there are parts of the system, whether they're geographically located, so people in rural places experiencing uh, less and less access to pharmacy, um, having to go further and further to get to a specialist or to a hospital, in fact, um, and we know that primary care has uh, been, you know, under-resourced uh, for a very long time. And, you know, for the dollars that we spend in healthcare, care, uh, a smart investment in primary care, whether it is in clinics, um, whether it is in public health, whether it is in our school nurses, that 
early intervention, that early look and focus on promoting health and preventing deterioration is such a wise investment. Um, and I think the data is crystal clear on that, uh, but still the majority of our healthcare dollars go into the highly acute care, the, what we say tertiary care, where we are intervening because we haven't prevented the acceleration of a disease. So to Kayla, uh, I think you're right. And this is not the only proposal coming through the legislature, and I would love to talk with you more. And you can find me on the website. I'd love it if you send me to Aaron Murphy in the Senate an email. Okay. Thanks so much for your time, Senator Murphy. One last question. Where is this bill at in the process, and is there support from both parties? Can you kind of talk about that? I'm really, really happy to say that uh, I have a Republican co-author in Senator Jim Abler. Uh, he was with us at the press conference when we, when we introduced this piece of legislation. Um, it's a good time to have bipartisan support on this proposal, and it will get a hearing, I'm quite certain, uh, in the Health and Human Services Committee, and I am sure it's going to move in the House as well. It is a big proposal, and this is a busy legislature, um, but I know that there is strong support on the part of my colleagues and I think on the part of Minnesotans to make sure that we have nurses adequately enough so that we can provide the standard of care uh, that everybody expects in our hospitals, and that's our goal. That is Minnesota DFL Senator Aaron Murphy. Thanks for your time today. Thanks for having me. I hope you have a really great day. You Thanks. too. You can you. bye-bye. Bye-bye. You can let your elected officials know what you think of this issue. Aaron there, uh, Senator Murphy said that you could reach out to her if mm-hmm. you have questions. But you can go to leg.state.mn.gov. You just enter in your address. It tells you who your elected officials are, how to email or call them or write to them, and you can let them know yourself. That is your duty. Right. And duty right. and right. Yes, yes, absolutely. This is the Thursday morning show on Independent Community Radio, KAXE.